0: Slum. Slum. Gullion. Slum. 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 We've got season two of the Slum Gullion. Slum. wa Slum. Slum. Jeff and still. host the Slum Gullion. Slum. Slum. wa Slum. I still don't know what that word means. Good morning, afternoon, evening, late night night slum gullions you are listening to america's only podcast i am jeff three hours behind me is scott and still three hours behind me same time zone as scott but we 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 have a guest and it is not mrs c we love you mrs c but it's a mr this time and this mr has well your name was on every episode so uh, a writer and producer of the Netflix series, Guardians of Justice. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the one, the only, the cat lover, Sam Lasky. Good morning, Mr. Lasky.
1: Good morning, or early afternoon, as it is here. Um, It is awesome to be on your podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. No, thank you for coming on (laughs) to get things going. I, I wish to pose a question to you. You are, let's say, at the 7-Eleven and you're getting a purple berry Slurpee and all of a sudden an old friend of yours that you have not seen in about 10 years walks up and says, Oh my God, Sam Lasky! How the hell are you, dude? What you been working on? How the fuck would you explain Guardians of Justice? Uh, well, I would probably say, well,
1: I've got a miniseries on Netflix that I wrote and produced, and I might leave
0: it at that. No, 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 no. How do you, how do you explain this show?
1: I. I struggled with this for the last two years of my life because every time I, I go back to uh, see my family or, or you know, when I see friends, I, I say I have this show coming out on Netflix. After about two years, I'm not sure if they believed me anymore. And I have to explain, well, it's kind of a superhero show, it's kind of a satire, it's got a lot of mixed media elements. And that's when their eyes sort of glaze over because they stop understanding what I'm talking about when I say mixed media elements.
2: I've seen it and I don't understand what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) This is my capsule review. I honestly didn't know what I was looking at. I just knew I couldn't stop looking at it
0: okay good scott that makes me happy i haven't talked to him since he's watched the show so good 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 okay
1: sort of what we want i mean that's sort of the reaction we were going for we knew we were making a show that i think most people would be alienated by but a select few would be like i don't know if it's good i don't know if it's bad i just know that i watched all seven episodes and i couldn't stop watching
2: This, I just imagine if this was on television, and of course this would never have been on network television, but I just pictured the water cooler conversation the next day. Just two confused looking people wandering up to the sparklets bottle, just looking at each other for a second going, did you, oh yeah, was it? I don't know. Okay. And then they just walk away.
0: But Scott, Scott, you get why I told you to watch it, don't you? Oh, absolutely.
2: No, no, no. I was five minutes into it. I go, oh. I, I, got,
0: I, I got to tell you something, Sam. Tw- 20 seconds into the first episode, I knew this was made for me. <laughs> Is that the moment when I... Claymation Robot Hitler appears? Yeah. No, no. Oh, that was it, for me. That, that, for, it was close. No, it was the cybernetic ter- T-Rexes. Okay. (laughs) it was the t-rexes when i totally went but then the end of the first episode the long tracking shot with the two cops after every fucking thing that has been thrown at you in that first half hour and by the way the way i described it to scott was this is a natural born killer is the show
1: yeah i mean that's that was a huge reference point for us the the way that Oliver Stone switches between sitcom and nineties and action and and all the different formats of that movie, which Really hasn't been done
0: before since in in that kind of way. This is the ultimate smoke. I can blow up a cult type show person's ass. So enjoy this. This will not happen again. You have officially replaced Twin Peaks in my mind as the strangest thing that has aired on television. <laughs> I don't care if it's network or not. I watch it on TV, so it's on TV. I congratulate you for that, sir. And I say you and uh, is Mr. How, how do you pronounce it? Is it Shankar?
1: Addie Shankar.
0: Adi Shankar. Okay, you and Adi Shankar have got the biggest balls to be able to get this thing on TV. And first, serious question: How? I know it's taken for him like was it for him like six and a half years. Pretty Has much it been floating around. He started
1: this as like a web series. That was the initial conception and I'm gonna spoil what happens in the first episode or like seven minutes into the first episode. Oh, we initial... spoil,
0: We spoil everything, okay, right. so it's okay. Go see it, then come back. Okay, they've got their spoiler warning, go to town. His initial
1: conception was just a, a like a five minute short film. I think he originally wanted to have Tom Welling reprise his role from Smallville as Superman, just talking into the camera, addressing the world, and then killing himself with a kryptonite bullet. That was the initial thing that he wanted to film. And every single element that came after it was sort of just layering on one brushstroke at a time. It probably won't surprise you to know that it was not totally structured from the beginning. It was one scene here, one scene there, layer by layer until we got to the point where it is today. I came on board about two and a half years ago where there was like a rough seven episode version of the show i had written a script for addy previously that never got made and he brought me on just to sort of give some feedback in the editing room maybe write some adr some voiceover to try to tie things together and once i saw it i was like okay this is the craziest fucking thing i've ever seen in my life i can't believe that you've already sold this to netflix because what 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 who were they thinking? I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad Netflix has that kind of money to throw at crazy stuff. And I said to him, you know, I, I think it's like 70% there. And I just slowly <laughs> wormed my way into the editing process, just showing up every day until eventually I, I, I took over a lot of the creative aspects in the final two and a half years.
2: I respect that. That's very yeah. uh, that, that's very Eve Harrington of you. <laughs> So was this thing originally called Gods and Secrets?
1: It was called Gods and Secrets until about a year and a half ago.
2: Okay. Because yeah. uh, that would have been very... It's like, okay, is it a Bergman film?
1: I... Right. Uh, we, I felt from the beginning that Gods and Secrets was just... That's too pretentious for what yes. the show is. Yes. <laughs> and it doesn't tell the audience anything about what the show is. You're right. Like you said, it sounds like a Bergman film. It sounds like an art house film from the 1960s Mm -hmm. that you're forced to watch in film school. Guardians of Justice, like, okay, yeah, that's a superhero show. I get that.
2: And then Guardians of Justice will save you.
1: Parentheses, will save you. That's what, in my head, it's called Guardians of Justice will save you. Just like for Martin Scorsese, not to compare myself to him, but The Irishman is called I Heard You Paint Houses, not The Irishman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they, they, they took off the parentheses, we'll say, a few exclamation point.
2: Oh. Because you hear it spoken, that's stuck in my head. So that's that's mentally yeah. what I'm calling it, too. Yeah. And uh, this is not a spoiler because it's completely out of context. But I'll just say this contains my favorite line of dialogue ever in anything even remotely superhero ish or superhero adjacent. That line being fight terrorism with voyeurism.
1: <laughs>
2: I think this plan has a lot of promise, and I'd like to see it put through.
1: I'm proud of that line. That one was one of mine.
2: Uh, well, you should be proud, Good sir. Good job, sir. Yeah.
1: Very,
0: very nice. Yeah, I, I'm just uh, it amazed me how many times I sat there, and I also binge the entire thing. I actually binged it twice. I rewatched it this morning. Oh, wow. There's some research for you, Scott. I I woke up early to so rewatch the whole thing because it had been a while since I watched it first. Like uh, I'm proud of myself. I was one of the first couple of people that I saw on the Twitter feed that actually said, "I don't know what the hell this is, but it's really amazing."
1: I appreciate. What did you get out of it the second time,
0: other than um, seeing was... uh,
1: all the all the flaws that maybe you missed because it was so. Uh moving so quickly the first time.
0: Actually, what I caught the second time was Kellen Lutz is awesome. <laughs> I did not know that was Kellen Lutz first time through it all. I had no clue.
2: Oh, well, he's he's absolutely my second favorite Hercules after Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That, that absolutely blew my mind, but the other thing that really got me this time, and it was like, again, same thing with Natural Born Killers, the use of the multimedia as a storytelling tool.
2: Oh, I mean, mix of Saturday morning cartoons, 8-bit animation, claymation, comic books, sound effects, first-person shooter gameplay footage, talking heads addressing the camera like it's a command and control cutscene. And a, a new story about children gaining access to a street drug, illustrated with Mario-style figures hopping around platforms and scoring dope. I mean... Two and- words.
0: CPS fighter that, that, Jeez. Oh, that fight God. scene that fight scene was another scene where my jaw just went and yes I will say it I was very high both times watching this show I highly recommend it for those that do combine because this is a great stoner show but the CBS Fighter moment was just there were so many where I just like my jaw just fell to the floor almost literally and I giggled I giggled with mischievous glee you made me giggle with glee Sam and that has not happened in a long time so even
1: the sepia spider fight scene in episode three is really interesting because it worked as a fight scene without the animated spider on his back. So if you right. watch he didn't have that animated spider on his back until about six months ago. Honestly,
2: I don't know that he needed it. I feel like it was pretty fun otherwise. But
1: We were so concerned about the quality of his costume. We're like this is a great fight scene the moves the choreography is so good. We've got all these great special effects where he's you know he's got the the health bars and and the, uh, oh, yeah. the green glowing sticks that they fight with. But the costume just looks like total dog shit. How can we distract the audience <laughs> from this costume? Oh, yeah, let's have him, when he powers up and turns into this costume, let's put an animated spider on his back. That, that'll fix it.
2: That old solution. Well, yeah.
1: But on, on the subject of the mixed media, I mean, when I came onto this show uh, two and a half years ago, there were maybe, like, two pieces of anima two or three pieces of animation per episode. And it would be, like, a, a, a scene that was animated. And hmm. everything else was, was live action. And one of the things is we were developing the final version of the show we realized is if you just have one scene of animation per episode or two scenes of animation per episode the audience sees it as an outlier it sticks out as weird and wrong if you consistently have different forms of animation throughout the entire episode and you're constantly cutting between these different formats the audience is like oh that's that's what the show is that's the format of the show and suddenly the audience has learned how to watch it in a in a different way than if you just have one scene and you're like wait why are they switching to animation here and especially because you know we were we were trying to adjust the story elements and and move things around to make this make the the show make more sense i I know it still doesn't completely make sense (coughs) we couldn't bring all these actors back we did some reshoots we did about six days of reshoots mostly in front of green screens and the, the animation was our way also of tying everything together and filling in the gaps in the story and clarifying the themes uh, in ways that I felt weren't, weren't quite there a couple years ago. So it actually, all, despite the weirdness, it all came about fairly organically. We're like, well, we have to have this scene, but we don't have any footage for it, so let's call up our animators or claymation guys and, and throw it in there.
2: It's just utterly brain-breakingly bizarre, and uh, I enjoyed that quite a bit. It was very refreshing. Again, I don't expect to go on Netflix and have my cognition called into question. Right. And yet there I, it was.
1: I think a lot of audiences, especially in the streaming age, despite the fact that there's so many more people buying content and putting it out there, there is a, a sameness to a lot of it, a, yeah. a sort of a factory quality to a lot of it, a mass-produced quality. And so, yeah, it's it's... Honestly, surprising to me. I'm glad Netflix bought it and and paid for it and uh, made a living doing what I love thanks to Netflix. But yeah, it is it is surprising to see it out there like that on the world's largest streaming platform.
2: Yes, I mean I guess see it on some cult platform. I mean, could have could have seen right. it on it,
1: Shutter. You, you almost expect Shutter. I love Shutter. You expect it to be on Shutter. <laughs> you expect it to be on on Adult Swim. It 2 AM.
0: Right. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Right after space ghost.
1: Right. I think if, I think if the show had premiered on adult swim, the reaction would have been completely different because the place where you watch something has such an effect on what your expectations are. I remember when the, the show first came out and, uh, uh, my wife didn't let me check Twitter for a week. (laughs) She only showed me the good reactions. And just sort of gave me an overview of what people were saying about it, which I think was probably for for the best for my mental sanity. But one of the things she said that people were saying that I found so so weird is, I, I guess the the Mar the Disney Marvel shows, the Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and all those were leaving Netflix around the same time to migrate to Disney Plus, and people were saying, oh, I can't believe Netflix thought they could get rid of my beloved Marvel shows and replace it with this piece of crap. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I guess people just expect, oh, if it's on Netflix, it must be like that. It has to be that kind of of superhero show. And no shade to those shows, which I I know people love. I haven't watched too much of them, but they're very well made. I I think people are trained to, to watch TV shows in a certain way, especially when it comes on a platform like Netflix, which wants to appeal to the widest possible audience that it
2: can. Yeah, this is definitely narrow casting. Yeah. It kind of feels like a web series at times. And it feels like that almost deliberately.
1: Well, portions of it were shot at like the YouTube studios in Santa Monica. Ah, okay. Addie shot a bunch of this at the YouTube studios, which if you've ever been or kind of cool, it's it's where they, they let creators come and film there. And they eventually kicked him out because he just had too many like body parts and <laughs> double you know smashed heads lying around the space and they had like a, a kids coming in on a school tour but <laughs> like, you can you can't film this violent stuff here anymore but i mean that's that's at whole aesthetic cuz you know i don't know if you've seen power/rangers Slash or his other bootleg shorts um, oh yes the, the only Punisher one dirty I laundry. seen is venom Oh yeah, venom, truth, and journalism.
0: Fan. I didn't even know that one was a thing, so no, I'm gonna hunt it down because I loved the other two.
1: Yeah, they're they're all really really cool. But that is, that's so much of of his inspiration for this show is that this is, this is the long format version of one of those bootleg shorts, where he gets to incorporate all of the things that he's been thinking about and working on for the last seven or eight years of his career into. One whirlwind of a miniseries, but yeah, it's it, you're not wrong that the aesthetic comes from the YouTube creator space, and we're trying to bring that a little bit closer to the mainstream. I don't know if we succeeded in making it mainstream, but that that was certainly part of the the, the core concept.
2: Well, it's interesting because it feels so loose in the storytelling, and yet the thing moves like it's on a rocket sled. It it doesn't have this sort of shaggy dog meandering quality that a lot of these shows have when they step away from the more traditional storytelling tools. And I was amazed by that. I hate binging. I don't. I generally don't binge because everything just starts to run into each other, and you lose nuance and just grace notes and things like that.
1: We're okay. still shorter than the Snyder Cut.
0: <laughs> barely, see, barely, I yes, the Snyder Cut. So I mean,
1: this was nothing. <laughs> Actually, uh, uh, full disclosure. I I prefer the Snyder Cut to most of the DC movies. I actually, I, I I didn't love okay. it. It's not for me, but it actually felt like the vision of a an auteur, a singular creator, <laughs> yeah. rather than. Can't
0: uh, argue that. Can't not argue <laughs> that.
1: I don't I don't know if that it makes it good, but it it, it at least felt like it, you know. Not Suicide Squad or uh, Joss Whedon cut of Justice League, which is an abomination.
2: Agreed. Agreed.
1: But on the topic of how quickly it moves, I mean, one of the first things I did with uh, Kenlin Clark, who's one of our editors and uh, directed the reshoots that I wrote, we trimmed every episode down by five to ten minutes and just got rid of all of the superfluous stuff, anything that wasn't absolutely essential to building the story of the series. We cut it out. And there's a there's a ton of stuff on the chopping room floor. I mean, there's whole characters and subplots that had to oh, be wow. excised. Because otherwise it would have been 35 minutes per episode. And this is just not a show that can sustain 35-minute episodes until the, the finale. Right,
2: right there's stuff in there that i could have enjoyed a lot more of for instance jane seymour smoking a cigar bas- basically <laughs> playing that douchebag who runs blackwater
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and she's playing uh older lady <laughs> eric prince i think is his name yeah um, Now the amazing thing is jane seymour i was not there when they filmed that stuff but she basically just spent like two hours in front of a green screen as a favor to her son, who's a fan of Addie's. And uh, I I guarantee you that Jane Seymour does not know that she's in a superhero (laughs) show on Netflix right now.
2: (laughs) Well, it'll be a nice surprise for her.
1: But also (laughs) one of the things about that, that footage is there's so much of it that they filmed that didn't get used, but because she's on a, Basically, her entire performance is on a TV screen talking to our our main character, Nighthawk. We could use like glitches in the feed, the TV feed, to re-edit her lines of dialogue to say whatever we wanted her to say. So we actually, when we refilmed other stuff or used ADR with Nighthawk when he's got his mask on, we could create entirely new scenes between him and Jane Seymour in order to connect a story in ways that weren't connected before.
2: That's ah, the old Coleman Francis technique. Yes, <laughs> don't see their mouths. You can have them saying anything. Right. We'll, we'll find a story somehow.
1: Pretty much. I, I don't want people necessarily to be looking for all these scenes, but there's a bunch of scenes that, you know, we took characters who didn't appear together. We put them together. We completely rearranged the meaning of dialogue in certain scenes which was really the most challenging and interesting part of the whole post-production process was what are we actually capable of in terms of without bringing the actors back, adding new material and making the show what it needs to be rather than what it was at its conception.
2: Ah, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it worked for uh, Zack Snyder in uh, Army of the Dead when he brought in Tig Notaro. You didn't go that far, so... <laughs>
1: Well, I, you know, he did. He did win the uh, Audience Choice Award at the Oscars for.
0: Uh... Ah, well deserved. Uh, we don't talk about Oscars. Yeah. Okay, all right.
2: Was that Bridget Nielsen? Yes. Ah, yeah. oh, I thought so. Okay. <laughs>
1: queen.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I thought, oh, great. She's she's basically Cobra
0: Commander. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that Jane Seymour, Annie Milanakis, and Brigitte Nielsen, Nielsen are in the same project together—I mean, that's just there's something inherently cool about that. Well, what's amazing is,
1: anytime I talk to somebody about the show, and I'm either they've seen it or I'm telling them about it, and they ask who's in it, everybody reacts to a different cast member.
2: Depending on whether they're a fan of wrestling. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so, Dee <D-D- laughs>
1: right. Diamond Dallas Page, obviously our lead actor. If you're a fan of wrestling, you know who Diamond Dallas Page is. But, you know, I can talk to my mother-in-law and she's like, oh, Jane Seymour, I love Jane Seymour. She's so good in it. Uh, or I, I was had a, a business call the other day with somebody who was like, I can't believe Andy Milonakis was in the show.
0: <laughs> the one that freaked me out was Zachary Tybryan i will admit that was the one that i was like no fucking way
2: (laughs) the president's the guy from uh, stargate
0: it's kratos
1: man yeah yeah i was about to say i I think most people probably know him as kratos yeah christopher judge is is absolutely incredible i mean he he nails his scenes as president nick nukem yeah uh, subtle very subtle
0: (laughs) yeah right my big question, I'm just wondering, are there plans for a second season? Was this a one-and-done? What is the state of this universe?
1: Um, I know what the second season will be if we get a second season. Okay.
0: okay.
1: I have plans, especially having gone through this trial and error process with this first season of finding out, okay, here's how you use claymation. Here's how you use 2D animation, here's how you mix live action with animation here's how you use miniatures all that sort of thing I now have a very clear idea of the kinds of things we can do in a season 2 that take it to that next level and I I know what the story is, I'm not going to no no no
0: point. my views on the finale would kind of shift depending on okay, is there a possibility of season two if it's a one and done? Because if it's a one and done that ending has a completely different feeling. Yes. yes. It is a dark freaking ending <laughs> on its own. And me, I kinda like that. I like it
1: too. I have no idea if we're gonna get a season. Don't I don't know what Netflix's internal metrics are. Um, I don't know, I I probably won't know if we're getting a season two until they call up Addie and say yes or no, out of the blue one. What I will say, though, is that we resurrected Adolf Hitler in the first 30 (laughs) seconds of this show. If you think characters have to stay dead, I think you you were not paying attention to what
0: this show (laughs) is. Okay, just just the tease. I mean I, I I sincerely hope that you get the second season because seriously, I love this show. It's rare for me to find something like it like made for me. So again, thank you for that. But I gotta say, if this is it, I kinda love the ending as it is because it is so freaking bleak. I think the ending works
1: and we went it back does. and forth. We went back and forth for so long about how to end this show and how far to take it and at various points it was like a return of the king situation where we just had like five minutes too much of an ending and we we, i think we trimmed it back to what is a a thematically successful place to add the show and i'm very happy with that that said that said i think certain characters need their comeuppance
2: this is not a spoiler this is just an observation apparently in any universe batman is a dick
1: Pretty much I mean, so much of so much of the ending is my personal take on the character of Batman and my frustration with the cultural obsession with this character as opposed to a character like Superman. Right. Where people are like, Oh, Batman's so much more interesting than Superman. No, that's just because nobody's done Superman the right way and I think Batman I love the Nolan movies. I love the first two Tim Burton movies. I love Batman the animated series. I love the new the Batman, the Matt Reeves movie. I love all of these things. Don't get me wrong. I have real problems with Batman as a character, <laughs> and I and I think the show uh, the show highlights exactly uh, where Batman can, as a as a cultural force, go wrong.
2: It does reflect a certain ambivalence about the character. <laughs> if I may wildly understate the case <laughs> I, I just briefly I would like to say that what the hell were you fuckers doing to me? I was watching this weird ass thing I was binging my way through it I was laughing, I was scratching my head. it was a roller coaster ride and then all of a sudden there are these scenes between characters that felt weirdly real with genuine stakes and I'm having an emotional reaction and I was a little peeved. I'll be honest. <laughs> So I i had not budgeted to feel anything for any of these characters. And dear God, that scene between Awesome Man and the Speed—those two scenes, really—it's like it was so touching yet painful
0: <laughs> to watch. Derek Mears, Derek Mears, man, nailed it. He was, oh, he killed it. Yeah. That. So,
1: so if people don't know who Derek Mears is, he is, first of all, a wonderful human being. He was Jason Voorhees in the Friday the Thirteenth remake from about 10 years ago, wildly Mm -hmm. underrated movie, wildly under, I think it's actually an excellent Friday the 13th movie, but that's probably a separate conversation. (laughs) He's he's known, he was also Swamp Thing in the recent DC show. He's a guy who's known for playing horror movie villains or being behind a mask or under heavy makeup. And to watch him get to be funny and charming and romantic, like... It just, it's so, it's so wonderful when you see an actor get the chance to do something that they've never gotten to do before and just nail it, just absolutely nail it.
2: Well, he did something that a lot of actors who get those chances don't get a chance to do, which was play this bifurcated character. If this is new, not too much of a spoiler, he's basically playing Shazam. Yeah, and correct. And where, where you have Shazam, you have an adult and you have a, you have a boy and when you get to the point where you see the boy behind the man in his performance behind his eyes behind his hesitations behind his line readings that was pretty amazing that took the performance level up way beyond the kind of thing you ever see in a in a web comic or a web show it was astonishing really you you talked earlier about getting teaching the audience how to watch the show and i know exactly what you mean and that was that was a helpful tutorial but there are things about the show that you're not ready for as it goes on as it gets late into the into the the run of the series and you guys did a pretty good job of holding your cards to your vest I was not anticipating most of what came let alone the the secrets that really make you feel differently about it and understand suddenly why it was 1987 it was that it's 87 (laughs) right
1: it's
2: like oh okay I get it
1: why we start with World War Three, mm-hmm. uh, yes, and uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I I really appreciate that because the the movies I love the most are the the weird cult stuff that still makes you feel for these characters. I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big Romero fan, for example. Probably not surprising. I'm a big trauma fan. Mm. These movies that, despite their the insane things that can happen in them, you
0: end up feeling for these characters, and they can be heartbreaking. so You said cult films. Please tell me you know Buckaroo Banzai. I do, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. how, could, how could you I, even I, doubt I that? make sure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you get past the test.
2: It's the easiest voight Kampf test ever.
1: I listened to your guys' this episode on Psycho Gorman, which is a movie oh. I fucking love. Oh, yeah. I love that movie, because it does this similar thing of, like, you're mixing E.T., like the emotion of E.T., that deeply felt childhood emotion with just absolutely insane cult horror violence. That's, that's everything I love. That's what I want to do. I, I want to draw you in with insanity and violence and all this crazy animation. And then I hope, I hope you leave thinking, okay, you're trying to say something there at the end.
2: Uh, definitely takes risks. I mean, some, some of it drew me in with violence. Some of it, uh, maybe rethink this whole, uh, maybe I should, uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it through all this. And that was basically, <laughs> basically the two cops walking down that alley, looking at all the bodies. I mean, I love the running commentary. That was funny. And uh, you've just got these bodies, you know, heads nailed to the brick wall with knives and, you know, just limbs. Like, Was was that it? you youtube? Was was was, did they build that, or was that Uh, an actual?
1: I wasn't on the show when they filmed that. I wasn't there yet, so I'm not entirely sure. I think that was probably an actual alley. I have to ask Addy
2: where that was filmed. This is the grossest episode of Cops ever.
0: But again, it was the it was the perfect, at least for me, it was the perfect ending to that episode, because once after everything else that had come before, just in style and in tone of what it accomplished, it was so completely different. And real fast, uh, I got I wanted to echo something that Scott said earlier. I was not prepared at all for that final episode i thought i was but that one the ending especially like i said thinking that it's not like it that it is just a one-off that if, if you don't get a second that's why i had to ask about the second season i'm like i am genuinely chilled by this ending and especially the second time i think that because i was focusing on the acting more i was the second time watching it i was able to focus on the performances more and i wasn't being hit you No. Know, Hit over the head with the visual style again, not that that's a bad thing. But yeah, like the the, the ending of the second time was much more emotionally resonant. Yeah,
1: exactly. episode seven episode seven was a crazy journey because uh it basically outside of like two or three scenes, episode seven didn't exist uh <laughs> when I started on this show. Oh. Um it was like the ending of uh, a major character death. And, like, one scene earlier was almost all that existed for episode seven. Um, okay. And we had to cobble together that entire episode out of outtakes, reshoots. That's why it's so animation heavy.
0: Makes sense. It,
1: it was a very daunting thing to try to pull together. We're also running out of money at that point. Ah, I know how that
2: feels. But I did not get the feeling that you guys were just going over the cutting room floor with uh, a pair of tweezers, trying to find enough material to put it together. The, the, the very animation-heavy elements just felt less like uh, you were grabbing stuff and just trying to end the story. It felt more like it was a, a natural combination of how the, the story had worked up to that point. It's like, it's, yes. it's like my feeling was, as I was watching at some point, I remember thinking, oh, it's almost on the point of just becoming a comic
1: book. And that's, that's sort of what we realized. And, and like I said before, when when I said that the, if you only have one or two pieces of animation per episode, the audience is gonna see those as standing out and being different versus if you have animation constantly. That One of the reasons why we needed to have so much animation through the rest of the show was we knew episode seven was going to have to have so much animation and bring it all together, but um, yeah most of the speed action sequences but not most all of the speed action sequences in episode seven we had like an hour in front of a green screen to just film sharni vinson the wonderful actress who plays speed doing as many different moves as possible mm. Wow! <laughs> and then kenlyn clark our director slash uh, one of our editors cobbled it all together in the edit and then we sent it to our animators and to our incredible VFX supervisor Graham Hughes to create the space uh, uh, around just these these actions that we had gotten very very quickly.
2: Well I had no clue that that was not that wasn't obvious at all uh, at least to me and uh, her fight with um, uh, motion blur is that the name? Motion
1: it yes. was episode five. The end of episode five. Yeah,
2: yeah that was. I, I thought, okay, they're actually, they are making these fights feel like something.
1: Like oh yeah, that, that that fight was very real, and those two actors were were there together, obviously. And yeah, I, the the stunt choreography. I'm just so amazed by what they were able to accomplish uh, with these fight scenes.
2: It's one of the things that takes it up above a notch, again, above above its its humble origins right. as a web series. Uh, at one point, there's actually, I can't remember if it's Nighthawk who's involved, but it's almost like a brief reprise of, of like a Daredevil hallway fight, You're just in a confined space. It just, it was, you have a small stage to to work with, you've, you've got to work yeah, with
1: yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Nighthawk does have a oh, sort of a hallway fight in episode two, where... He does the diamond cutter, mm-hmm. Ha! the signature DDP move. I, don't, I I. know a lot of people have caught that, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see the character Nighthawk do the diamond cutter.
0: <laughs> so um, what is next for you, sir? Are you still uh, relaxing? You got anything? Do you have anything lined up? Yes.
1: So I wrote two episodes of uh, another Annie Shankar Netflix show. It's no live action, but it is sort of a mixed-media format called uh, Captain Laserhawk.
0: <gasps> You're involved on that, too? Oh, yes. Oh, kick-ass. Okay. Um, okay. And
1: so, so, Adi Shankar, if you, for people who don't know, uh, was the creator of a TV show for Netflix called Castlevania based on mm-hmm. the Konami video game. So, he's been kind of a, a video game whisperer uh, at the company for a, for a long time, and the... French company Ubisoft, which produces Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, Rabbids, uh, Rayman, uh, a bunch of tremendous video games, basically gave Addy keys to the kingdom. Said, take all the IP you want, mash it up however you want, and, and we'll bankroll it. And so we've created this crazy cyberpunk action mixed media series Using using Far Cry Three colon Blood Dragon as a jumping off point.
0: Oh shit, I'm in. Okay. And then
1: and then incorporating the Assassin's Creed mythology. The character Rayman shows up as like the chief propagandist of this uh, this dystopian government. It's a it is just absolutely wild. So I wrote I we ended up with with six episodes. I wrote two of them. I am writing the entire series of another project for Addy that is based on a big video game IP, but I'm not sure I can say yet.
0: Ooh, okay. Uh, uh,
1: but if you go on Addy Shankar's Wikipedia page, you can see what projects he has in development. And I have a, another script that I'm working on that I also probably can't talk about yet, but I am keeping busy. I've got things in the pipeline. Captain laser Hawk is already in the animation stage so that's and it's it's looking really cool they're doing some really cool stuff with it all
0: right well sir I know uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you so much for that show okay it's that was that was um a wonderful it wasn't an experience like the like the one credit says it is definitely an experience it is. um and folks you can be proud of us you know how spoilery i want to get i do have questions for this man and i kept them out so you guys who hadn't seen it yet it could be all nice high and mighty so go watch the goddamn show
2: and then get on twitter and tweet it to netflix to authorize the second season because i need to find out how this shit turns out <laughs>
1: Well, we can talk. We can talk off uh, <laughs> off air if you want to. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I had a great time. I'm happy to talk anytime, even not about guardians. Uh, awesome. And, but, so thank you for having me on.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that is all for today, uh, folks. Until later. Later.